0: And now I'm hearing things from children as young as seven and eight, where they're saying things like, I want to go to sleep and never wake up. Well, to me, that's heartbreaking. Um, And while we keep pushing all this academic and the standardized testing and how important it is to get the grades um, to get into university, we're missing that our children will never become the best version of themselves until they feel safe and secure, socially and emotionally.
1: What is up, beautiful people? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up podcast, the show that is making mental health mainstream. The way we do that is we interview people about the deepest, darkest, most traumatic and challenging moments and periods of their life. We go over what they went through, how they overcome it, any tips, tools, and tactics that they use to do so, any lessons that they've taken away from that period in their life, and then where they're at now, how they've turned that pain into purpose. All I can say is that I'm just truly, truly grateful. And I absolutely believe that together, me and you, and the sharing of these stories, we will make mental health mainstream. Let's go! welcome back to the open up podcast everyone into episode 102 with di wilcox the founder of this right here the magic coat Uh, what it says on the book is creating calm confident and caring kids and i believe that is what she's doing through the workshops that she's providing as well as these books i read this book to my daughter full of affirmations full of positive um, uplifting beliefs and i'm just grateful that someone like you as doing this, especially here in Perth.
0: Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here talking to you.
1: Yes, Um, I only met you a week or two ago and I'm pretty excited for what's to come.
0: Absolutely, there's a lot of um, amazing like-minded people here in Perth and uh, only great things can grow from that.
1: Yes. Okay, first question, we're gonna go deep straight away. Could you please describe the way that you view yourself as a woman and or human?
0: Uh, the way I view myself is that um, over time I've developed um, some good strength, but there's a, I still believe there's more to find if that makes sense. I think that's an ongoing life uh, lifelong thing we've all pursuing. But I also um, believe that I'm very kind and caring and that's not a weakness, you know to I'm one of those people that if I see people being hurt or children upset, um, I will shed a tear. But I'll shed a tear, but also within myself go, okay, something needs to change. So from that point of view, I'm pretty stubborn. I'm determined. Um, I won't sit back and, and watch things that I don't like happen. I've got to create change, especially when it comes to children. So um, I think I, I'm, I'm a very determined person.
1: That's awesome. And it's good to have, I guess, that sense of stubbornness or determination when it comes to a, a making positive change or a positive impact like you are.
0: I think it, your change will only come if you have passion and that passion and determination is the the thing that keeps you going because change is not an easy thing to create. So, uh, yeah, you've got to have a driving force like that behind you.
1: All right. So your story that we're going to talk about first off um, comes a little later in life. Could you please give us like a summary or a breakdown of your childhood up until that point?
0: I had the most beautiful childhood because um, I had um, a gorgeous grandfather who I was very, very close to. And um, just to give you an idea of what my grandfather and I's relationship was like, he would go, we were living in England and there are beautiful forests um, in England, and he would spray paint acorns gold and then he'd hide them in the forest and then he'd take me for a walk and he'd go, let's go see what we can find in the forest. And apparently I never shut up. I know, hard to believe. And um, and he'd suddenly say, hey, Di, what's that over there? And we'd look under a tree and there's this pile of gold acorns and I'd go running up to them and he'd left a tiny little note that said, from the fairies, because we love you. And I swear I thought I was going to rule the universe, you know, because the fairies were leaving me gold acorns. How cool is that? Um, And I think because of, of that, because of the way my grandfather raised me, to be this um, very carefree, you know, had the biggest imagination. Um, I loved my childhood. It saddens me when I see children who don't have that because I think childhood is such a magical time of your life and I don't like seeing children's magic taken away. So what I'm doing now is all about trying to put that magic back into children's lives.
1: That is the cutest thing ever. Yeah,
0: it was so cute. I love it, yeah.
1: Looking back now, do you have an understanding of why he did that?
0: Um, I think my grandfather is very much like me and that we're both very big kids at heart. You know, he never, he was in the Navy in World War II, but he, and he would have seen some horrendous things, but he never allowed that inner child to ever be dulled. And I think I'm the same. I've gone through some traumatic stuff, just as most people do in their life, but my inner child has never been dulled.
1: That's amazing. A lot of the people that I've spoken to, especially veterans who have been deployed have been through different sorts of wars in different countries they all have the same sort of demeanor where they're confident but shut off emotionally yes and it sounds like he was pretty resilient but he was also vulnerable enough to be himself
0: absolutely he was uh, definitely a one of a kind and he made a huge impact uh, on my life and a very positive impact on my life
1: yeah those are both amazing traits for a kid to pick up
0: really is (laughs) really is
1: (laughs) all right so moving on from there
0: so moving on from my childhood um Unfortunately for me, teenage years, particularly my later teenage years, um, were pretty hard as far as there was a lot of sexual harassment. And we're seeing young women face that all the time. So I was surrounded by guys all the time um, giving, you know, quite um, sexual comments. Um, you'd go places and people try to touch you. Uh, I had a few bad experiences with, with guys, and I think that did affect my self-esteem as a teenager um, and it made me um, probably choose someone I shouldn't have chosen when it came to my first husband Um, and he was a very angry person from his own childhood and so there was some domestic violence there but what saddens me is if you look back into his childhood that's what he experienced Um, and what he experienced was that anger is an emotion that you can take out on other people. So what I realised from that is that we need to teach our children from a really young age that anger is a normal emotion. It's okay to be angry, but you can't hurt yourselves and you can't hurt another person. And as soon as we can get children to understand that, um, then we can lessen the domestic violence. We can lessen the one-punch attacks. We can lessen the anger that we're seeing on our streets Um, and just get people to understand and recognise the different emotions that they have but how to manage them appropriately.
1: With I guess choosing a partner like that, did you feel, I guess it's easier to look back now with hindsight, did you feel in some way that you may have deserved that?
0: Ah, uh, self-worth is definitely a huge part to play, which is why the twenty eighth of November, I'm launching a second book for teen girls, and it's called "Be the Girl Put on Your Magic Coat." Yes. And the reason we're doing that is um you know if we can get children from a young age and I'll, we'll talk about the magic coat soon they need a lifelong concept. So once they've learned that as as a young child, how do we help them in their teens, which is a really vulnerable time. You're trying to um, figure out who you are, what's your identity, and at the same time, you've got all these people putting their opinions on you. And for many girls, their opinions are sexualized. And um, girls are made to believe that their self-worth comes from what they're able to give um, sexually or the way they look. Um, and there's so much more to a person than that. But if we don't teach our girls from a young age to look at themselves so much more holistically and see all these amazing qualities, they are going to choose things based on self-worth, which for many girls is not high. Yeah. We, they're really struggling with self-esteem and self-worth.
1: Yeah, well, I think the average age for young boys who, I guess, come in contact with porn and then start, like, frequently visiting porn sites is, like, seven or eight years old at the moment.
0: It's frightening.
1: And it's really important for girls, and especially now that I have one girl going to have a second soon, I find it's really important for girls to come up with or be brought up with that self-worth that you're talking about because otherwise they're going to be influenced by those same boys who have a porn addiction from seven or eight years old, like I did, who then view women... Or perceive them in a certain way like i thought that a woman in a relationship had to be a porn star and had to give me everything that i wanted and therefore my relationship with a woman was pretty pretty toxic i was a pig of a man narcissist yeah. cheater and that's what they're going to grow up with like and it's only going to get worse because we are in, in the digital age or era
0: i love that you want to create that change for your daughters and i've got two daughters um myself and for me i don't want them making the choices that i made um and most of the choices i made were subconscious choices yes. because i wasn't aware of my my own self-worth i wasn't aware of the thoughts i was having um hindsight is a beautiful thing but if we can teach our girls from a young age that their self-talk is really important um, understanding what they truly want and understanding they deserve that Uh, is incredibly important. So that's a conversation that every family should be having with their daughters in their home. But for boys as well, boys um, being exposed to porn at seven and eight years old, how sad is that? That they're not understanding what a loving relationship looks like. Sex is a beautiful thing when it's between two people who genuinely love each other. Um, It doesn't need to be such uh, a violent, aggressive act where people are getting hurt So we need to have these conversations with our children, but there's still people who are afraid to talk about it. And I think open conversations with our children is only a positive thing.
1: That's cool. That's amazing. Um, With, I guess, with domestic violence, for anyone in that situation, be it woman or man, uh, boy or girl, do you have any advice for someone who's in that situation? Because I haven't been in that personally myself.
0: When people are in a domestic violence situation, there's a lot of reasons why they stay. And a lot of reasons is they believe that change can happen. And, you know, I was one of those people, I totally understand that. There's also a lot of fear around how am I going to cope on my own? What will happen to to me or the children? There is help out there. And what I say to people is reach out, seek that help. Don't be afraid to ask someone for help. Um, There are many different organisations available to people and... Once you just take that first step, everything else you need will start falling into place. The first step's the hardest. It is a painful journey because you do love that person. Um, You do care about that person. But if it's toxic, think about the children in that relationship as well. Do they deserve to be seeing what's going on? And for me, uh, that was a real game changer for me, was the realisation that my children were being affected. And, you know, it was one thing for me to make that choice, but my children didn't have a choice And I needed to make a choice that was going to protect them and be positive for them.
1: That's amazing. For most people, that's the hardest part is reaching out to someone and telling them what's happening because they're scared of the judgment and some sort of negative perception. What they assume will be a negative perception. How How do you think someone should go about taking that first step because that's often the hardest?
0: If you've got a close family member that you can reach out to, Um, and talk to that's always a good step but there are people who can look more objectively at your situation such as women's refuges Um, there are actually men's uh, help groups as well go and talk to them because it's not just women experiencing it there are men also experiencing it go to those organizations and just have a conversation and see what they can offer you because often when you understand what help is out there it empowers you to go I can do this I'll be okay
1: that's awesome I love it you're just so flowy So, moving on from there, you're now at a point where you're a teacher. You mind walking us through that story? Yeah,
0: so um, I'd always wanted to work with children. I I love kids, being the uh, big kid that I am. And uh, so, I first did a social science degree. And it was funny, when I did my social science degree, I did that because I was told that there were no teaching jobs and I shouldn't even look at teaching. But teaching was always my, my passion. So I did my social science degree in women and children's studies Uh, and then from there I just thought you know what I still want to do teaching so I went and did my second degree and uh, got my education degree and I began teaching. Um, I taught mainly the young primary school years and I absolutely love the kids but what I noticed was that many of these kids just They were zoning out and they were zoning out because of all the worries in their head. So at recess and lunch, I'd talk to them and they'd say things like mum and dad are fighting at home. There's not enough food on the table um, to, I've got no one to play with. Um, I I don't feel like I belong. And now I'm hearing things from children as young as seven and eight, where they're saying things like, I want to go to sleep and never wake up. Well, Well, to me, that's heartbreaking. Um, And while we keep pushing all this academic and the standardized testing and how important it is to get the grades um, to get into university, we're missing that our children will never become the best version of themselves until they feel safe and secure socially and emotionally. And so I started doing some research in the area of positive psychology. And I love positive psychology because it's all strengths-based. It's all about looking at the positives in people. And I think for children there's enough negativity in the world we need to approach the way we teach them social and emotional skills from a very happy um, success um, you know say success is is right there for you for the taking rather than you know life's really hard and and sucks so I created some programs and at first I was running a program called the seedlings program but what I I got frustrated with was principals would come up to me and say that was really cool Di but um, the parents who need to be here weren't here. So then I was going, well, how do I overcome that challenge? And that's when I came up with the concept of um, creating a storybook. And that's when I wrote The Magic Coat. And what happened was teachers went, we love The Magic Coat too. Can we have The Magic Coat? So seedlings kind of got put to the side and The Magic Coat has just grown and grown. And I'm one of those people, if something works and, and it's, it's making connections and it's, it's putting smiles on kids' faces, let's take it and grow with it and it's growing faster than I believe so I originally created it for schools yeah. now we've got social workers psychologists um, police uh, foster carers um, numerous people using the program so it's so exciting
1: so first of all why teaching why were you so compelled to be in the space when you were told there wasn't really anything going
0: because teachers can make an incredible difference in children's lives and when I do teacher training I say to teachers, you know, there's not a lot of respect like there used to be for teachers these days. They're not paid fantastically, so the morale can be quite low, but I say to them, don't be in the job for the money or the holidays or the things that people think teaching is about. If you want to make a positive difference in a child's life, that's why you take up teaching, Because. When you're with those children six hours a day, you have an incredible influence over those children. So no matter what is happening in their outside world, you can make a difference. So I remember having this one child, he was in year two, first day, and he came into my class and he walked up to me and he went, hi, I'm the worst kid in your class. And I was like, excuse me? And he said, yeah, I'm the worst kid in your class. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think so. And he was so shocked. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I think you're going to be the best kid in my class. And for that year, he was the best kid in my class. He'd never had someone believe in him or say, you can do this. You got this. So I don't underestimate, I say to people who choose teaching, the power you have to change a child's life. Um, just because there may not be accolades every day, you don't need them. The accolade is that that child is going to remember you. I still remember, and I don't know if he's there, but it's still out there, but my favourite teacher was Mr Appleby, you know, in year five. And he had an incredible uh, impact on my life. He was a fantastic teacher. And teachers, you always remember your favourite teacher.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. I might be reaching here, but does that have anything to do with the way your granddad treated you?
0: possibly he was yeah he he did he really had a similar personality and um, I just had a connection with him but he really he he really inspired me with writing in year five like I, I suddenly realized in year five that my imagination that I lived it in my head I was able to put pen to paper and have so much fun with
1: that's such a powerful outlet it is did you allow yourself to use that outlet as you like progressed through, I guess, schooling years?
0: It's really interesting. I've, you know, I've said to my kids and my partner before. Sometimes, if I struggle to say something, I can write it, and everything flows, and then I feel calmer because it's written, it's got out of my head and onto paper, and then it's like, okay, it's all making sense now. Um, and I encourage children in some of the workshops I run, get it out of your head and onto paper because writing it down often helps you make sense of things because sometimes your head can just feel so scrambled, um, your emotions can be so high that if you can just get it onto paper, it can make a whole lot more sense.
1: Yeah, I think doing that was one of the most powerful things for mine and my partner's relationship. Uh, when I was like deeply depressed and suicidal, she had to be very stoic and like be very masculine for me and hold space for me yeah and i'm one of those people who just never expressed how they were feeling and so for me writing it down and then letting her read it not only got it out of my head onto paper which meant i could get a third third person perspective for myself and sort of determine and analyze what was true and what wasn't but then she could read it as well and understand what i was going through so like journaling, writing it down, getting it out of my head has been like one of the most profound tools.
0: Fantastic. Totally agree.
1: Yeah. Um, how, for me, this is scary. Like we, when we met up, mm. I said very openly to you that I'm not looking to go into any space and help kids because I don't feel compelled to. I don't feel like that's my niche and that's my purpose. It's scary for me to think of even attempting to open up that conversation with a kid. How have you given yourself permission to do that?
0: I think um, that's a really interesting question and I really appreciate that because I for me, I feel so privileged that I've come across, I just seem to have been given this beautiful gift that kids will just open up to me. They will just talk to me. And since um, my days as a teacher, children have always just felt that I'm a person they can come to. I'd have ch- children from other classes come in and just say things like, I just need a hug. Can you give me a hug and talk to me? And I don't know if it's my inner child that, you know, I'm putting that aura out that it, I'm here because I care. I, I really, and I truly do. I Every child I come across, it's hard to explain, it's hard to understand, but I have genuine love for them. I just love children. And I think because I have that genuine love, I feel like it's not permission to work with them, it's I feel that I need to serve them. I believe my gift and my role in this world, and everyone has a purpose, everyone is here for a reason, and I believe mine is to serve children. So how can I serve and help them? That, I've, that's what my legacy needs to be here.
1: That's amazing. I think you're definitely on track to take that box or accomplish that goal. I, I hope enjoy. so,
0: yeah I hope so. I've got big dreams, I want to help as many kids as I possibly can but they, they just need that love right and and uh, I've had people say to me, you're one person, how do you think you can do that. You're Now if we all took that attitude, our world would never evolve right? Yeah. And for me it's this one person with an idea, sharing it through a book, training teachers, psychologists, social workers who also care for those children. That ripple effect is what will create the change. And the people I surround myself with who have hearts of gold, who want to make their contribution to making a difference to, to what we're doing, that's how we create change. It's never one person. It's one idea. yeah. And it's that one idea that people take on board and share.
1: It's that resilience again. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, for you, because this is, this is the thing that probably stops most people from even attempting to achieve something like you want to achieve how do you handle doubters and especially people who doubt what you want to do in terms of helping children
0: there's always going to be doubters the biggest the person you've got to be most afraid of with doubt is yourself (laughs) and and i have had many moments of going what am i doing can i really do this um i've also asked myself who am i to believe i can do this but if you take the ego out of it If you say, okay, if it's not about you and it's about what you can do, um, that's when change happens. And the funny thing is, is when you put that self-doubt aside, and and it comes from time to time, when you put it aside, you take you out of it and you go, this is what I have to do, that whole serving concept, this is what I have to do for these children. It's funny how you attract all the right people to make these things happen. So again, it's not about me. It's about the people who come into my world and go, love that idea. We can help you grow it. Let's work together and let's see what we can do.
1: Yeah. And the more you're of service, the more you positively impact people, the more like that word spreads and the more people that come into your circle, like you're saying, so... It's, that's an important way, taking out the ego and being of service. I've seen that myself as well. Like starting this, sharing my story when I was speaking, it was coming from a very like e- egotistical place. I wanted to be someone who was famous, do a TED Talk. And then as soon as I stripped that beard took that ego away, I found I've connected with people like you and people who genuinely want to make a, a positive impact in the world.
0: You attract what you are at the end of the day. And I think when you go through, you talk about hindsight and you look back in hindsight and you go, why was I attracting some of those negative people into my world? Because I wasn't right myself. And um, and not to say I'm 100% now, there's so there's always going to be work you can do on yourself to improve and to be better. And um, I know that there's still a better version of myself that I need to be to be working on. And I think so long as you, you do everything with that, with a pure heart and you're genuine you can change anything
1: Um, I want to get to this question I have here but something about that how seeing as you're this person who's making this impact with children and you spoke about being genuine and um, connecting with genuine people you don't have to answer this but what I found in the mental health space at the moment um, especially here in Australia, is because there's so much money being pumped and uh, I'm seeing inauthentic people come into the space here and there. How do you, I guess, shield yourself from them and that sort of energy?
0: There are, unfortunately, there, there are people um, in any industry, in, in any area that aren't in it for the right reason. And sometimes it takes some time to actually realise that um, that's the case for me I think the only thing you can control you can't control anybody else right but you can control yourself and your own journey so so long as I stay true to who I am and I never forget my why um, I feel safe that I'll, I'll stay on the right track as soon as I lose my why or if my why changes and I don't reflect and make sure that that's for the kids then that would worry me but I think as so long as you're true to yourself and your why it doesn't matter who tries to come into your space you'll be
1: okay it's amazing good answer <laughs> um talking about these kids who are coming up to you like that kid who come up to you and said i'm i'm the worst in your class yeah. like big profound terrible statement but from i guess your perspective or your point of view why are kids um coming to you with those beliefs in the first place
0: because we're labeling our kids every day um you know when we get angry with our own children at home, we may say silly comments like, why are you so stupid? That was a stupid thing to do. Now, in a child's head, straight away, they're going, I'm stupid. Um, when we say that our children are a reflection of ourselves, we are their number one role models. So if you're a mother standing in the mirror saying, oh, I'm so fat, I'm so ugly, I'm so unattractive, and then your daughter is saying like, I'm unattractive, I'm, I'm fat, they are reflections of you. So for teachers as well, the comments you make in a classroom can scar a child for life because that's the self-talk that just continues to grow in their head. So if we can stop labelling children. So when people send children to me and say, this is a naughty child, I never take that label. This is a child and this child needs love. All of us need love. All of us need to feel that we matter and we, we have purpose and we belong when we have those basic needs of purpose and belonging and love in our life the best version of ourselves can come out so what we need to do is stop labeling children when they're naughty try and understand why what's going on what's triggered this behavior because they're not being naughty to just be naughty they're trying to say something's not right in my world i don't know how to manage it i'm frustrated and angry can someone please help me but if you look at adults, we're the same. When we're angry and frustrated, and we're not ourselves, it's a cry for help. That can someone help me? I'm not feeling great right now. So we can, if we can all understand that, we don't need to label our kids. We can find what the triggers are and help them through it.
1: Yeah, I think I've learned that firsthand too with my Is daughter. You your daughter? She's she's four at the moment, but I've noticed that some of the habits that I don't like in her. And this has taken a long time for me to figure out. Those are my <laughs> not habits. too long. She's
0: only four. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but those are my habits and I'm getting upset at them, uh, upset at her. It's just a
0: reflection of you. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'll get grumpy
1: and like I'll I'll tell her off for doing something. But what I've realized now is that when she's not listening or taking too long to do something, usually it's like you said, a cry. And that cry is a cry for attention from yes. me because I'm always working on this. I'm always on my laptop or on my phone. And so she'll do that sort of stuff to get my attention, but I, I just have always seen it as her not listening, and so it's taken a you lot of self awareness. You a really awareness. important
0: thing on the head there, and that's our children want our time. They don't want stuff. They don't want us to go out and buy them presents. They want our time. They want us to show that they matter. Yep. Um, and as soon as a child knows that they matter, that's that's growing their self
1: esteem. That's awesome. Yeah. So. With The Magic Coat, you're, I guess, instilling these positive beliefs in these children. How, if this child has come from an environment or is within an environment that's negative, destructive or toxic, how do you ensure that those beliefs um, remain instilled in a child?
0: And that's why I created The Magic Coat is because so many children, um, we can teach them these positive strategies within the school system, but we need a common language that everyone is speaking so that this child is receiving consistent language. Now, for some children going home, they're in homes where you know that they'll never receive that positive um, enforcement of the strategies being taught. So by giving them the concept of putting on an imaginary magic coat, and inside this coat are all these pockets with characters, and each character represents a strategy they can use to feel safe, secure, calm, problem-solve, don't need an adult to do that for them so they're empowered to know that everything they need to survive this world which can sometimes be scary and sometimes be crazy they have the power within themselves to be okay and that's the most powerful part of the magic coat is you don't need an adult to be there for you now we're working with parents teachers um, anyone working with children to, to show them how the characters in the coat work So that we do hope that children keep revisiting and learning and understanding the concepts. But what we find is the children connect so positively with the concept of these characters, and the characters like become their friends, right? So they feel that they've got everything they need to to be okay, and that's why it's working. And one of the characters in The Magic Coat is um, Amelia and Pandora. So it's this oyster and a pearl, right? I know, you love Amelia and Pandora. So... They talk about the power of self-talk and they remind children that when you get a negative um, self-talk happening, you feel horrible. You start your whole self-belief just starts to go down, the you know, out the window. So what you need to do is you need to change that really quickly to, hey, I'm going to be okay. I'm safe. I'm good enough. I'm loved. And as soon as they can start saying that to themselves, they'll feel a shift in how they're feeling in themselves And then their outlook on life changes. And then they attract different people into their world. And it's so powerful. And if children can learn that from a really young age, what a difference we can make.
1: That's powerful. It's a lot more than what I first, I guess, perceived it to be as just this tool that instilled positive beliefs. But even more than that, uh, to top that off, it's really teaching children independence and resilience as well.
0: Absolutely. So we keep saying... a lot of talk we need resilient children resilience we're not born with resilience resilience is explicitly taught so we need to teach um, concepts that are very easy especially for young children to understand and the way a young child develops when they're very young they need concrete material in front of them to truly understand something so by having the characters the children can connect with the characters to understand the concepts as they get older they're able to have abstract thoughts. So that means that the characters no longer need to exist, but what we've done in the book for the teens is there's still an object. So you've still got a message in a bottle, you've still got a, a sea turtle, you've still got a, I know, you've been reading the book, haven't you? Um, all the characters are there, but it's objects for teenagers. And for adults um they love that team you know that abstract team version of it as well because it's lifelong concepts we can all learn something from the magic coat i've had accountants and lawyers who've um, contacted me and gone oh i love tate the turtle or my father's like a very conservative accountant and he just loves solomon the surfboard you know so it's something that anyone can connect with
1: (laughs) it's gold it is i love it um we we skip past the recovery part of like your story. And I really want to touch on that, especially seeing as you are someone in this position. I think it's good for people to resonate with someone um, on your level and know that you've been through your own struggle, Uh, not only that, but you've overcome it as well. So um, for you, I think you touched on counseling.
0: Definitely professional help is really important. And I encourage people to reach out and get that professional help. The other thing is is a choice. There's a really important choice you make when you go through any trauma in life. So yes, I had a trauma in life, but I'm sure you have and I'm sure most people watching your podcast have gone through some sort of trauma in their life. What it comes to is a decision. Do you then become a victim or do you become someone who goes, you know, that's my past. What can I learn from that and what do I want to create that's positive in my future? And for me... I had two daughters. Now I could have just chosen to be a victim. Poor me, life sucks. Um, how am I going to manage these two girls all on my own? Or I could show my girls what it takes to be a strong, independent woman who can get back up on my feet and have a really positive life and give them what they deserve. And while some people go, Father, how, you know, that's all good for you, Di, because you've got a really loving family. And that's true. I have a really loving family. So that was an amazing um, uh, source of support for me. But I still had to make the decision to not be the victim. Now, I have people who often call me up quite regularly and they'll say, look, Di, I love what you're doing. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. I want to come and share my story. And I always say to them, come back to me when you've found what your true purpose in life is, and what you want to do with that. Because when you've had a trauma, that trauma doesn't need to be your identity. Yep. You do not need to be defined by that trauma in your life. You can learn from that trauma in your life, and I learned that um, through a lot of counseling and that, that I needed to forgive the anger and the things that happened to me. But I also learned that children need to be taught to manage their anger from a young age. Um, but I also learned that I have an amazing source of strength within myself to be okay on my own and for many years was on my own and and coped and gave my two daughters an amazing life. And I think once you're able to do that, you open yourself to the opportunity for real love and real support and and what you really deserve.
1: That's amazing. What's the, I guess, what's the one takeaway from your experience with counselling? How has it helped you?
0: I think the first thing I want to say about counselling is you may need to go to a few different people to find the person you connect with the best. Yep. Um I know people who've gone to counseling and said it's not working for me. Well, that's usually because you haven't made a connection with someone you feel understood by. So, find someone who's right for you and don't be afraid to be totally honest because until you're totally honest with yourself and with the person you're opening up to, um you'll always find that there's something that needs work on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next one is gratitude
0: gratitude is so important um you know there. it's funny like i've had days just like everyone else where i felt really awful you know we all have those days we're like oh god so hard and i find when you just start you have to and this takes a bit of strength but you have to pull yourself out and go hang on a minute there's stuff in my world that i'm so grateful for and there's always someone who's worse off than you and you've got to remind yourself of that when you start to remember the little things, like even waking up and breathing in the morning, how lucky are we? we you know, we've woken up, we're breathing, we've got a roof over our heads. Um, we've, You know, I've got two healthy daughters, I've got a loving partner, I've got um, a job I love. There's so much for me to be grateful for. When I remind myself of that, it takes my headspace away from poor me. We all have that from time to time, the poor me to, wow, how lucky am I? And as soon as we can change our attitude, and, you know, you talk about that attitude of gratitude, it really does work.
1: Yeah. Like you said, you're going to attract what you are. And if you're ungrateful, you're going to attract people that only confirm that you have nothing to be grateful for.
0: Yeah. And I I often have this conversation with my my youngest daughter. Um, If you wake up and you've you've already in your head decided today is going to be a bad day, that choice today is going to be a bad day it's amazing all of a sudden everything starts going wrong you spill the milk you, you know you lose your keys you, everything you can imagine goes wrong if i wake up and i go today is going to be an awesome day if something goes wrong between then and starting your day you go oh well pick it up keep going you can still have a good day because your attitude defines what's going to happen for the rest of that day
1: yeah i think a good way to put that is people who wake up who i guess are ungrateful in the morning are like that kid who said he was the worst in your class and a gratitude practice is like you
0: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's um yeah it's all that self-talk
1: yeah um moving on from gratitude i think you said there was a story with your daughter which really i guess implemented that for you
0: yeah, absolutely. For me, um, a, a really life-changing moment for me was uh, my youngest daughter was five years old and I'd had a shocking day at work, just like we'd been talking about how you have those bad days. I had one of those bad days and my, my mother and father were looking after my daughters. I got home late from work and my mum saw straight away, she me, oh, she had a bad day and I was like, oh, you had a bad day. She said, why don't you come in, have dinner and why don't you just stay here tonight? And I was just like, oh, thanks, mum, awesome. And uh, my youngest daughter, she was being a real monkey. Like, I made climbing on the couch, jumping up and down, screaming for my attention, you know? And I was in that, oh, I've had such a long day. Sian, please, can can you just settle down? And it got to a point, she loves her bedtime stories. And I said, if you keep monkeying around, there's no bedtime story. She kept monkeying around. So, you know, I went, okay, no bedtime story. She went to bed. And um, around midnight, my two daughters actually share a bunk bed when they're at my parents' house. Um, My eldest daughter was 15 at the time and there was this awful, awful scream from my 15 year old. And before my feet even hit the floor, I yelled out to my dad, dad call an ambulance. It was just mother's instinct. Um, I went running in there. My youngest daughter had froth coming out of her mouth. She was, her eyes rolling back in her head. And I was trained in first aid. I'm trained, you know, I, I work with children all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm usually cool, calm and collected when kids hurt themselves. And I just remember picking her up and shaking her and going, wake up, wake up. And um, the ambulance came and it seemed like forever. And my father being an accountant had timed it seven minutes over there. But um, they were cutting her clothes off on my mum and dad's laundry room floor and paddling her to bring her back to life on mum and dad's laundry room floor and I just remember my whole world it was like in the movies that slow motion everything was just happening in slow motion and we got in the ambulance we got taken to Princess Margaret at the time and um, she was naked on this bed and all these doctors and nurses were working on her and they came up to me and my mum and dad came behind me and they said "Uh, there's nothing more we can do for her Um, we're putting her on life support and I just remember my whole world just felt like it was falling apart my knees went weak my mum and dad caught me on either side and they put her on life support and I remember looking at her um on life life support all these tubes coming out of her and I'm I'm not a religious person but I'm a spirit very spiritual person and I've never prayed so hard and I was just going God if you help her through this I will dedicate my life to helping children and um a few days later, the doctor said, "You know, we're going to try and pull her out of this, and you know, see see what happens." And they gave us all the warnings that she'd had lack of oxygen to the brain; she would have may have many different problems, learning disorders, all this sort of thing. None of that mattered. I just, you know, you just want your child to live. Yeah. And um, she 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 did come out of it. we were so so blessed. And um, I just remember thinking. I'd had a bad day that day. Was it really that bad that I couldn't have read her a bedtime story? And really, at the end of the day, no matter how bad your day was, to come home to your children and show them the amount of love you have for them. And I say, you know, I work in prisons and I work in women's refuges and I say to people all the time, don't underestimate the time you have with your child because it's never guaranteed. So make the most of the time you have with your children, whenever you have the opportunity, because that's what matters. It's not how much money you're making, the car you drive, you know, the labels you wear. It's my child is alive and happy. And you know, the the funny thing is Sian has, she's become extremely academic. And teachers go, wow, she's doing so well, like A's, A's, I couldn't care less because in my mind, she's alive. Doctors have told me she'd need help with learning. Now she's gone the complete other way. And I'm the mother going, awesome, but really, know, yeah, don't care because she's just happy and she's alive and she's well. Um, and that's what's the most important thing. Not that she is an academic and gets a university degree. I, if that happens for her, that's her choice and fantastic. But it, for me, it's so long as she's happy and healthy, I'm happy
1: it's such a powerful story in such a beautiful way to see a shift in perspective, like a life changing shift in perspective. And it's cool to know that you've been through that. You've taken that lesson and now you're helping parents connect with their kids. So they don't have to get to that point where they experience what you did.
0: I don't want any parent to have to go through that um, ever. And so if we can learn from others, you know, misfortunes and, that's what we need to do share our stories
1: all right a couple questions and then we'll wrap up Uh, knowing everything that you've been through so far knowing what you're doing with the magic code and helping children what would you say the quality of your life is like now
0: i i feel like i'm in an amazing space in my life and you know what the biggest part of it is when you give you receive so much more than what you give it's it's funny how the universe works But giving and serving um, is the best quality of life if you can find them.
1: Yes. Uh, What have you added to or removed from your life to improve the quality of it?
0: Um, I've probably removed a lot of toxic people, people who didn't share the same values that I did, the same beliefs that I did. And, um, And I'm getting better at this, but I'm also starting to remove myself and learn to manage things like social media better. Because we're impacted hugely by that. And it's actually not the be-all and end-all that um, we make it out to be. Got a bit of work to do with that, but getting there.
1: How, how have you gone about, I guess, limiting the impact that negative people have on you?
0: Um, I think, it, I, I, let's be honest, when someone says something negative, I because I wear my heart on my sleeve... I do, it, it hurts initially. And um, it's funny, I was just had this conversation with someone recently. If I do a workshop and we do an evaluation, 99% of people say, wow, I love that, that was fantastic. One person will say they didn't enjoy it. And you could, I used to be the one that would focus on that one person. Why didn't they enjoy it? What was wrong, you know? And I've learned, you will never please everybody. And unfortunately, there are people in this world who they've made a choice within themselves that nothing's going to make them happy. So it doesn't matter what you do, if they've made the choice that they're never going to be happy, you can't change that. You can't control their thoughts and feelings. You, again, can control what you do, and so long as what you're doing is for the good of others and you're doing things that are positive, then um, you can't worry about those people because they're always going to be there.
1: Yeah, and usually when someone's negative towards you, it's their own insecurity, whether it's seeing you flourish or believing that they don't deserve the happiness that you can, I guess, help them attain. And so therefore, they unconsciously or subconsciously affirm that they're not going to get that by being negative. Absolutely. Um, What are you most grateful for right now?
0: I'm most grateful for definitely my family. Yeah, I'm so um, blessed to have the family I have. You know, just sitting, the little things, sitting on a couch surrounded by your family watching a movie is one of the coolest things for me right now. Um, and it's those little things that don't cost anything that really matter.
1: That's cute. I love it. (laughs) Um, Last question, then we'll talk about what you offer. If you had the chance to put a message on a billboard somewhere where you'd know thousands of people would see it every day, what would that message be?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Oh. I think for me the message, it's funny, my favourite saying that I'll say to kids all the time, and you're going to laugh at it because we've grown up with this saying, treat others the way you want to be treated is something that I live by and I teach my children to live by because to me it's not that hard. Is it really that hard to show people respect and kindness? You don't have to agree with everything they're doing. You don't have to even necessarily be best friends and like them. But is it that hard to show respect to one another? Because I'm sure if we all lived by treat others the way you want to be treated, our world would be a different place.
1: Yep. Simple and powerful. Yeah. Uh, to wrap up, or before we do, what are the services that you offer and how can people get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, so the the Magic Coat Storybook is available at themagiccoat.com, so it's available online. And with that, we've got other um, tools that help children. So we've got a pillowcase, a worry pillowcase, so it's got a little pocket and children can write their worries and put that in there before they go to sleep at night. Um, We've got workshops for parents and children to attend together. We train teachers at their schools. Um, any organisation working with children we run training sessions to show them how to use um, the tools that Magic Coat has, we're about to launch the Teen Girls book on the 28th of November so that book will become um, available online uh, later that month and um, there's some new books coming out next year so there's, the best place to visit is the website there's a contact form and any questions people have they can just send us through an email and we'll get back to them
1: Cool. What's the website again?
0: So it's themagiccoat.com. Um, and if you go on to Instagram and Facebook, it's The Magic Coat for Kids.
1: Awesome. Uh, to wrap up, first of all, I want to acknowledge you for making time to do this. Thank you I know that you're, you're a very busy woman, so I appreciate your time and your effort, your energy uh, in the first place. But most of all, I appreciate the fact that you've been through everything that you've been through. You nearly lost your daughter. You've taken that shift in perspective, that lesson and now you're using it to propel you to achieve this goal of helping as many children um, and I guess their parents as well as possible. So I hope you're proud of yourself.
0: Well, thank you for having the time with me today because I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story.
1: Thank you. Now sponsor number two is Leadership for Growth with Brendan Usher, that's specifically designed for middle managers and focuses on three key areas, those being people, vision, and self. Now this is tailored to suit those middle managers to turn you from that manager into a leader to accelerate your career growth.